Greetings, everybody. This is Wesley Pepper here, and you're tuned into my podcast, Wesley Pepper's Art Lexia, which is brought to you by Spudcaster and Bible. Yes, everybody. Uh, greetings, everybody. Um, to all the new listeners and returning listeners, hi, hello <laughs> to everybody. Um, thanks for thanks for tuning in this week, man. Uh, for those of you who listened to last week's episode, thanks to Brian Jones and Jane Morris for coming through. I think they were fantastic. I had so much fun talking to them so much energy they have and I really believe uh, in their business strategy uh, I think um, yeah I, mean, I think they do fantastic they're doing fantastic things over there in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe so um, yeah they're based in Wales but running out of Bul- and running out of Bulawayo so if you yeah man just if you know of them tune to the party if you haven't heard of them tune to last week's podcast I think that was really great um, that was really fantastic and um just two more things before i introduce today's guest um the art giveaway is still ongoing so what you should do is like subscribe to our channel to the spotcaster channel um and you can drop me just a line on facebook saying that you did i mean obviously we'll see if you did um (laughs) um, yeah well anyway you can um and we'll choose a random name. And for now, the giveaway is just available to my listeners in South Africa. And that's because of courier costs, because it's coming out of my pocket. And da, 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 da. yeah, anyway, I'm sure you get it. Um, so that's still ongoing. So that's still available. Um, I'll actually tweet um, or post a picture of the art I want to give away on my social media pages. So you can check it out there. I'll probably do it. Um, yeah very soon so you can look forward to that and um i'll talk to you guys with all with regards to what's coming forth um, to future episodes and future uh, additional features and stuff like that we add into the show at the end of the interview so stay tuned for that so moving on man um today's episode is going to be really exciting um looking forward to it so we're talking to our brother um taye uhuru um from Ohio in the USA. Uh, my social media goes by the name Camp Cleveland. Um, so he's a uh, historian, an activist, a gynecologist, a student, hip hop artist, and this guy is quite a hectic traveler. Um, he says he's been to over 70 countries, which is, actually, I don't know many people that has been to uh, so many countries. So um, that's going to be exciting to talk to him to that. Um, I also had to listen to some of his music videos. Um, so that was really cool because the one video he shot in Mabaneng. And as you know, I used to stay just around the corner from there. Um, and Gary and Chola, them's all the artists featured on there. So big shout out to Gary and Chola from African Icons. Um, and to I'll give you guys another, um, yeah, hmm. I should just remembered something, but that's fine. Um, I'll make mention of all of that towards at the end of the episode um, with regards to everybody who I'm associated with and all of that. Um, so yeah, man, um, hope you guys will enjoy today's episode. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Um, unpacking um, his, bra- his uh, journey and all of that. So stay tuned for that. And I'll talk to you at the end of this. Baobalb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with baobalb.org. Uh, okay, man. Taye Uhuru uh, from Camp Cleveland um, in Ohio in the USA. Uh, thanks for coming through, my brother. Um, how you been keeping? Uh, all is well. Thanks to you, King. I truly appreciate you for even allowing me to, you know, come on your platform. It's definitely an honor. How you feeling? Yeah, man. Thanks, man. Now, man, me, I'm good. It's, um, we um entering winter. Yeah, you know, us as African people, we don't like the winter. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, other than that, it's all good, man. Uh, I've been real busy. Actually, I've been working on some art. Um, I've got another group show coming up in a few weeks time. Um, but the podcast will be hearing about that um, in the coming weeks. So, yeah, man, that covers me, my brother. Um, let's jump straight into it, man. So, um, you from Ohio in, in the USA. You're also a world traveler, man, which is which is really cool. Um, and uh, you a historian, a, uh, a, a, yeah, a, a musician. Um, yeah, man, let's start with, like, um, 
Yeah, uh, so you're based in Ohio. So tell us a little bit about you, man. Just give us a little, for my listeners, just give us a little bit of a background about, um, you know, stuff that's not in your on your website, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely, um, I'm a musician. I'm an MC. I'm an author. I just wrote my first book. It's called The Afro Set. Uh, I'm into genealogy. I'm a historian. And also, I'm a world traveler. Um, I visited almost 70 countries around the world. I've been to almost 20 countries in Africa. That's like, that's like pretty cool, man. Like, to be honest with you, I know a, a lot of tra- love travelers, but 70 countries, that's outstanding. Uh, just for the listeners, can you tell us like, which of those, um, because there's 20 in Africa, where else have you been, man? Um, Europe, Asia, we're all, we're all over. Yeah, definitely all over. Um, Man, as far as Africa, I've been to I've been to South Africa, Mozambique, uh, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Madagascar, Seychelles, Comoros, uh, Ethiopia, Egypt, Senegal, Cape Verde, Guinea-Bissau, Morocco. I've been to South America, Brazil, uh, Dominican Republic, Mexico, uh, all over Europe. You know, Philippines, Taiwan, Thailand. Japan, China. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's extensive, man. That's extensive. So, from what I can understand, that right, you Pan Africanist, correct? You uh, you consider yourself as Pan Africanist? Well, yeah. I guess it depends on the, your definition of it. So, I I think that uh, being black is a global thing. So, I look at it as black people in India, black people in Asia, black people in Africa, black people in mexico and brazil and america you know what i'm saying yeah 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 uh because because i'm looking at because like the first thing that um if i look at your bio that jumps to me man is the historian part because i'm a history buff myself okay um you know um yeah man i also co-run a website um we've been around for a long, 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 long time consciousness where we publish specifically um, um, uh, stuff around African history and uh, art, uh, essays, poetry, music, and everything around the um, the African diaspora. And um, tell me, man, is your um, is your history studies um, uh, 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 part of the reason why you travel such a lot, or where did the traveling, where and why did the traveling bug really bite? You know. Oh, okay. Um, it kind of mostly goes back to my family's history. So I would say my, my great grandfather, he was a follower of Marcus Garvey, you know, in the 1920s. Um, he joined the UNIA. I didn't, I never met my great grandfather, but his daughter, my grandmother, she would tell me about him, you know, because she was there. She went to some of the meetings. She was at the parade. She seen the raising of the red, black, and green flag. And she told me about him, you know, like he felt like we were Africans and we should go back to Africa and things like that. And then uh, my grandmother's son, my uncle, he started his own black power organization. It was called the Afro Set. So Afro at that time was short for African. So his organization, it was at the forefront of reintroducing Black Americans to African history, African culture, African language, African dance and African fashion, African music, you know, and things like that. And, uh, you know, my mom, she gave me black history books when I was young. She used to drive the bus. She drove the Greyhound and she would take us to different places around the country, you know, New York, Chicago, Cincinnati, Detroit, uh, you know, just different places around the way. So that's when I first started traveling. And learning about, you know, black history. So I always admired African people and African culture and African history ever since I was younger. Uh, that's interesting, man. That's interesting. So tell me, uh, through that, like, inspired you to start traveling more throughout, throughout the continent. Is that, um, is that, is that, is that, is that correct? Well, yeah, but it, it took some time. Cause like I said, I started when I was young. And then once I became an adult, you know, I continued to travel on my own. You know, I was still making music at this time. So I would go to different cities and different states. You know, we would promote our music, perform, pass out CDs and different things like that. Then once I had, you know, pretty much seen the majority of the states in America, I've been in like 45 states out of 50. So, you know, I wanted to see more and learn more. And then I got my passport in 2010. And then that's when I started going to different countries and different parts of the world. Well, so you say you traveled to about more than 70 countries since 2010. That's like the past 11 years. 
Yeah, yeah, eleven years, yeah. Shit, man, that's like that's like a lot of mileage in eleven years, man. Yeah, yeah, I was moving at a high speed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, absolutely. Um, just for interest sake, now that COVID has uh, uh is like affected everything. Um, how has that affected your your uh, movement? Have you been traveling? Um, uh, what is it since March last year? Yeah, yeah, I still been traveling definitely. So in January of 2020, I came to Africa. I was in South Africa. So I was there during the lockdown, during COVID, the shutdown and everything. Oh, yeah, really? Level four, level three, you know, waiting around and stuff. So I was in Africa for most of the year, but I left. Uh, what? Uh, where, um, where in South Africa were you that time? I was in uh, Johannesburg. I was living in Mabonang. I had an apartment in Mabonang. That's where I shot the, the music video at. My brother, I actually used to stay around the corner from there. <laughs> oh, wow. Where are yeah. you staying now? Um, yeah, man, I lost my apartment since then. Um, we had actually give up the apartment in, uh, when was it? January, Feb- February this year. Um, oh, okay. So since then, I moved back to Kimberley in the Northern Cape, which is like 500 k's outside of Johannesburg. But like, but like, that's my, that's my hood, man. Actually, I want to, I want to get to that because I've been looking at you. I've, I've been looking and listening to your music. Um, and I sort of want to unpack, but like I sort of want to first see, you know, to see the old traveling thing and how that um, sort of like added to your, uh, I would say, your creative arsenal and like unpack that thing. But but but. Um, so if you were saying that you've been like twenty countries in, in in Africa is pretty cool. Um, that that's pretty cool. So. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm interested to know. So I know a lot of uh, American guys coming to South Africa. Um, I've actually worked with quite a few as well, and it's interesting for me how they interpret or how they see the continent, man, um, and the expectations and all of that. But also, I'm like with you, like like coming to South Africa. Um, I guess like what is uh, uh, what do you what do you, what what is the first thing you try to learn or you know uh, experience from uh, from 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 uh, from, a, from from a country. Um, well, it depends on the country in terms of South Africa. You know, I had a little bit of, um, understanding and knowledge of the history before I actually came to visit, you know, for my first visit. I've been to South Africa at least five or six times. Like I said, I lived in Mabo Name almost a year. Um, but I was reading different books. Like I read, uh, Nelson Mandela's book. I read, uh, Steve Biko's book. I read, uh, my guy, uh, Robert Sabuku, you know, I was learning about apartheid and watching Shaka Zulu, and, you know, different movies, Cry Freedom and stuff like that and um, Catch a Fire and, you know, just different things. So I kind of built up a certain level of anticipation before I went there. So I knew what I wanted to see. I, I tapped into some of the music and then I had knew someone that was living in South Africa. So I was communicating with them before I came out there. But when I, um, when I first came to South Africa, this was maybe like 2013. So it wasn't a lot of content, positive content about South Africa. You know, back then, like you said, that was about at least eight or nine years ago. So if you Googled South Africa, it would be something negative, rape, murder, AIDS, poverty. But, you know, when I got to Cape Town, that was the first place I, I went. I seen malls, I seen beautiful women, beautiful beaches, cars, Benzes, Bentleys, BMWs. You know, I just seen so many <laughs> capitalism, my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's straight up. Yeah, like I get you. Um, I get you. Like that also thing. Um, one thing I've one thing I've um I picked up. Like I know a lot of scholars. Um, actually, I know some from Chicago who's um pretty close friends of mine, and um, they've actually been doing a project in uh, the Northern KZN um with the rural women. So I we get a um. It's also it 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 it. it for me as a for me as, as as an artist because i'm a visual artist like that's my core so 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 i interpret things yeah visually and i'm also pan-africanist as well so um when i find out when i see a lot of um um yeah for me it's always, always interesting how the other how, how the americans like 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 unpack because as you say like if you see all this fucking rape and all this type of shit yeah we well um yeah yeah that's how they uh that's the surface but as but as you know if you scratch a bit deeper there's a lot yeah um, um, um there's a there's there's a lot of culture there's a lot of history um there's a lot of context as thing which which gives our which 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 gives our music and our art and our expression such a i guess such a texture and vibe energy and all of that so um you know reading up if you if you, you mentioned movies like cry freedom um um 
that's actually quite a that's actually quite quite, quite something interesting um so uh, uh how or what parts of south africa what part of um if you if i'm a bit specific about job like really struck with you man you know what was the um and i'm sort of trying to build up to your music because i was listening to your lyrics um as, as, as well but yeah um what part of like yeah you know what part of job and and in south africa really you know grabbed you man it's hard to say because I, all of South Africa has been amazing, you know, from my experience. But, yeah, I, I really was feeling Joe Berg. I mean, I guess because, you know, Joe Berg got the music scene, it seems like, you know, looking from the outside. So Mabonang was just like the ultimate place to be. You know, it's, it's photographers, it's dancers, it's poets, it's drummers, it's singers, it's painters, it's producers. And like even during the lockdown, you know, it was three or four different music studios in my building. It was producers and rappers that I could just go next door or go upstairs. So, you know, I never seen a place like Mabo name. So, so maybe that, that may have been the most, you know, uh, remarkable place for me as yeah. an artist. So you were staying at Main Street Life in Mabo Neng, um, where you, uh, um, in that hotel, were you staying there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Fox Street. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fuck. Um, I've um, I know that place pretty well. Um, I used to stay down um Betty Street, so it'll be um just on the corner by Bertrand by that French restaurant. Um, if you're looking left, um, I stay just one, just two blocks um from there. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, like um after the um after the, because as a visual artist um yeah man, once everything got shut down, yeah man, I really it's out. Uh, long story where to give up the apartment but anyway um i'm still based um you know my stuff still in storage that side and all of that um so yeah man uh, so if you were you were there throughout the hot lockdown yeah. right uh gee was man like as a gee was how was that for you because because over here which means that you experience our alcohol and tobacco prohibition uh and uh you know the politics around movement because we couldn't go anywhere and it was really hardcore man and um i know the inner city <laughs> there's a lot of people there and there's a lot of movement there uh uh i don't know like what it, uh, because it was 21 days and the government moved it out to a few more days what did you do to keep yourself busy well i mean you know i was shocked like everybody else so we didn't know what was next but you know as far as being locked down somewhere i couldn't have picked a, a more better place to be like i said because i was still surrounded by musicians i was still able to shoot a music video you know it was photographers still living you know in my apartment building so i was pretty cool for the most part as far as uh being artistic and creative i was still able to write songs i was still able to record songs and shoot music videos um when it first first locked down, like when we was at the highest level, you know, I just went back and forth to the grocery store. I went to Woolworths. I went to uh, what was the other place? The game. Because, you know, uh, what is this the downtown area? The main area. It's not really that far from there. So for people that's yeah. listening, I was kind of yeah. close to the downtown area. So I'll go for a walk every day um, and I would still see people. You know, it wasn't like I was just isolated and alone. You know what I'm saying? And I had yeah. made some friends out there. So, you know, despite you know, people losing their lives and people getting sick. I, I think I did okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, man. You know, I'm thinking the chances are we probably walk past each other. <laughs> yeah, you look familiar now that you said that you was in my bonnet. Because Lou was out there at the uh, same time. Uh, uh, yeah, we probably had to because um, you know the corner where you shot your video, the uh, stencils, the African icon stencils, the ones of Sheikh Vera and Pico and um, mm-hmm. all of that. Those um, those guys, they are good, um, are very good buddies of mine. That's Jola and Gary and those guys from African Icons. Uh, we actually did a bit of a hustle uh, um, um, a few years, about two or three years together, um, and like since then we've still been. I mean. I mean, guess, um, especially Gary, he's a, he's, a, he's a pretty good friend of mine. And if you just move up um, a little bit on the, the corner of Fox and um, is it Kruger, yeah, those photographers there, yeah, I know um, um, a lot of them are friends of mine. And uh, even around the corner there by the bottle store, there's some, yeah, there's some colorful characters that used to hang out there. Those were, yeah, that was, that was, that was... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah I know them. I, I was, I'm, I'm Facebook friends with Gary, but what happened? My page got shut down. Yeah, I know Gary because he have a daughter, and uh, she, yeah, she used to, she used yeah, to go with the yeah. guy with the dreads. Um, yeah, is it, yeah, is yeah, name Terry yeah, yeah. or Kari? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oof, oof, what is daughter's name? 
Yeah, but I know he's got two. Um, he's he's quite a he's quite an interesting he's quite an interesting character. Um, and quite a he's got a quite an interesting story. And I think he's a pretty talented dude as well. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, he's real so, cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and like they hang out on that corner, um, selling there. Um, there's another brother with dreadlocks, um, Snow Chino. Um, he's from um uh, Mozambique. Um, he does this basket s type like mm. artwork um, um um yeah they've been pretty much running that scene now for the longest time they've been there pretty much since Mabaneng became what it is uh today you know right. um, they've and been they've out been there for years the aesthetic yeah yeah they've been very much part of the aesthetic of the place and um so we'll go out there like 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 on Saturdays, um, 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 yeah, and 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 um, Sunday afternoons especially. You know, I'll go out there. You know, sit there, have a drink. You know, have a beer, hang out, and um, you know, just look at the locals coming and going, and then you know, just move on afterwards. So that's very much. It's quite it's quite interesting that you're quite familiar with that um, with that section of um, of Johannesburg because over years, um, as a visual artist, I used to um, I did a whole body of work on gentrification and. Um, mm. I actually targeted my, uh, Marbendang was actually my uh, uh, target in 2018. Um, so I've sort of seen it develop over the years. And the building that you stayed in, uh, the Main Street Life building, there was a party there um, um, before it got developed. So this could have been, this was the early 2000s, um, which, which was wild, man. Before, you know, so it was just pretty much an open plan. So bands used to come in there and DJs used to come in there and just open up and play music. And, you know, people used to come in and go. It was, it's quite interesting how does, um yeah, change and develop. Fuck, it's been developing there quite, uh, quite crazy. Um, so yeah, if I must look at that music video, yours, my brother. Um, I'm actually quite interested to know, like, if you like, like we were talking about button, but you say you shot it there during the lockdown. Was this during the hard lockdown that you shot your um, music video there? Yeah, bro. This was like in April or May because we actually had to stop. Like the police came and it was like, nah, you know, y'all, <laughs> y'all ain't supposed to be doing nothing but going to the store. Yeah, I want to ask about that because I didn't see anybody in the video. It was just you. Like, how right. did you get that right? Like, I mean, like that place is quite busy. So how did you get that right? And what day was it? I can't remember the day, but it was, my name uh-huh. was like a ghost town at that point. You know, the restaurants was closed everything was closed really the only thing that was open was it was like a little corner that that corner store uh yeah okay okay yeah because like i'm watching and i'm thinking like yes there's not a single <laughs> there's not a single person walking around um, um not even a not even a walker um uh, just a just just an interesting story so like um exactly behind um, um that african icons wall a, 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 a block on um commissioner street side there used to be a rasta that is just um that used to uh, uh sell he had like a little table there um he had one I think it was left hand that was cut off um, and um, he pretty much lived there eventually like he set up a whole little um, he used to sell amongst other things like records and uh, books and, and, and what not um, and we actually traveled um, ah, sorry traveled um, I actually followed his story um, 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 over a while as uh, as my burning was expanding and expanding and like how um, he had to move a block down to the east and further down and further and eventually it just disappeared and I bet but I've um but just before the the hard lockdown happened, I actually seen him around um around um around the inner city and I'm sure you've probably walked past him. So yeah man, um you know Taya to get um to get back to your stuff my brother if I must go through your website um you're selling a lot of products here um, um you've got a you've got a lot of packages here including like going to Egypt uh, South Africa Cape Verde Sienaca Ghana Kenya Brazil like this is outstanding man uh can you tell my listeners a little bit about, about, about more of that so if they're listening how do they get uh what do those uh tours include when do you always, uh, uh do them etc etc you know and if they what are you guys going to do if you get there for example like in Sienaco, um even Ghana or anyone really but um yeah can you just tell us a little bit about that oh okay yeah so basically i have educational tours so you know i take middle school students high school students college students i take elders young adults you know they're for anybody but the main purpose of the tours is to clear up a lot of misconceptions that black Americans or African Americans have about Africa. 
or African people or African countries, you know, because they're not aware of a lot of African history. You know, they kind of generalize Africa as one place. So they don't see the difference between Egypt and South Africa and Ghana and Kenya and Madagascar. And those places are totally different. You know, Africa has more countries than any other continent in the world. Africa has more genetic diversity than any other continent in the world, you know, as far as humans and animals and landscapes. There's so many languages and cultures and foods and, you know, different things like that. So I just try to share that with people. So, for example, like if we go to Egypt, you know, I take them to the Valley of the Kings, the Valley of the Queens, Hatshepsut's Temple, Luxor, Temple of Karnak, the Red Pyramid, the Bent Pyramid, the Step Pyramid, the Pyramids of Giza, the Sphinx, you know, uh, the Egyptian tours primarily are focused on ancient African history going back 5,000, 10,000, 2,000, 3,000 years ago. So the South African tour is a little bit more focused on apartheid and, you know, Nelson Mandela, Winnie Mandela. You know, we go to Soweto, we go to Johannesburg, we go to Cape Town, you know, we go to different parts of the Southern uh, African country. You know, we go to Ghana, we focus a little bit more on the transatlantic slave trade. You know, we learn about this region. You know, we learn about uh, kente cloth, the dinkra printing. We go to the slave castles. We go to the slave dungeons, the door, no return. Um, you know, just different things like that. So the tour to Brazil, that's more of a focus on um, Afro-Brazilian history, because a lot of people don't know when they did the slave trade Brazil, was one of the places that received the yeah. most amount of Africa. The most slaves. Yeah. 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 So Brazil is like I think it's like thirteen out of every hundred slaves ended up in Brazil. Yeah, yeah, a large amount. So Brazil Brazil is a very diverse country, but the majority of Brazilians are black or mixed with black or have some, you know, African ancestry. You know, and you can see it in the music, you can see it in the martial arts, you can see it in the food. You can see it in different things like that. So each tour provides a different experience. So anybody is welcome. You know, it includes hotel, breakfast, dinner, you know, um, all the activities, all the places we go is, is covered. You know, it got flight insurance, travel insurance. You know, if anybody gets sick or hurt or injured, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what I'm, okay, man. So I'm pretty interested. I sort of want to unpack this. I've got two questions around it. The first one is, uh, if you're going there with students and such, so these are young minds, these are young, these are exciting, these usually bring a lot of energy. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, how does their perception on Africa change after they've been to a country like Ghana, for example? Um, I mean, from my experience, everybody that I took to Africa, they was blown away. You know what I'm saying? They had a great time. It was a life changing experience. And I think for the children, you know, the younger adults, you know what I'm saying? It it gave them a greater sense of purpose and where they want to be and what they want to, you know, how they see themselves going into the future. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the, you know, the older people, they, they was feeling it too. You know what I'm saying? But I guess it's just more impactful the younger you are because you still got the rest of your life ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. Is there is there any like follow up? Like um, I'm also interested in this. Like if somebody comes back, for example, say they met a musician or a painter or whatever, do they, you know, support these artists when they when they get back to the stage? Are they talking about them or is it just an experience? And then boom, when you get to the stage, it's just, you know, business as usual. It, it depends on the person. You know what I'm saying? Some people, you know, make make friends for life and they keep in contact. And some some just want to visit and some have plans to return. Some have returned. Some, you know, want to move to Africa. Like for me, I want to live in Africa. And, you know, as I oh, go yeah? To, yeah, definitely. As I go to each country, I'm always networking and I do work with other artists and I do show support. You know, we do songs together, you know, or sometimes, you know. Yeah, I wanna, I want, I, I wanna get to that. So, um, and in fact, in fact, let's um, let, let's um, um, let's um, let's run on that because you know I was listening to your music. Um, you know, it really comes across really strongly pan Africanness, and I love that. Um, I'm, 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 I'm so. For somebody that's been through over twenty countries, um, how has the African experience um, in, uh, impacted your creative processes, my brother? Um, what side of blackness do you try to express? Um, now, I mean, like I've, I've, I've listened, so I've got my opinion, but these are for my listeners, you know. Um, yeah, you know, what side of being Africa is, you know, do you try to express through your creative expression? 
Um, well, like I said earlier, Africa is so diverse. There's thousands of languages and ethnic groups and tribes and you know what I'm saying? So I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly, you know, tapping into new artists and some I meet, some I may just hear on the radio. So it's always um, had a significant influence. So, you know, it, it has affected my music. Like one of the songs I sent you, The Blacker the Beard, yeah. you know, that's basically um, giving it up for black women all over the world. You know, in particular, dark skinned women, but it's for women that's brown skin, light skin mixed black women you know we got black people of all shades i'm just letting them know that they're beautiful they love they respect it you know they're honored they're appreciated so i try to like i say look at black people on a global perspective um is your uh is your expression political um uh, do you do you have a uh, uh i mean like because if you've traveled um that extensively um i mean if you, if you spend time yeah, I mean, even in Mabodeng, uh, 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 I mean, like Mabodeng is in the inner city as part of this huge gentrification process. There's all this displacement of working class African people. Um, and uh, with the artists around, especially the ones that I know, uh, uh, that's pretty much all most of what we talk about. It's just we package it in all these various forms, making it palatable for multiple markets and all of that. Um, um, you know, do you have a very strong, because um, also earlier when you were, when you were talking about um, Garvey's um, that your that your that your great grandfather was from that philosophy. Like I've read Garvey extensively as well. I'm also very influenced by his writing. Um, so, do you have a very strong political arm? Uh, do you have a, a opinion? And do you try to with your tours and with your creative expression. Do you you know do you have that discourse that dialogue with everybody and through your music? Um, I think it just depends on the person. You know, people may have that you know different perceptions. I mean, but. I guess it's just, um, I don't know how to say it. I guess my experiences, I try to share them. I don't I don't try to, like, force people to think a certain way. You know what I'm saying? So, like, with my music, I try to make it where they can listen to it and they can enjoy it. So some people may look at it like, oh, you political, you pro-black, you talking about that. And then some people might just be like, man, that's a nice song. I like it. You get what I'm saying? So I just try to have some balance with it. Because if you just try to force it on people, that's not ready for it, or they may not just be up on it yet, then you might turn them away. So I try to make it kind of nice and smooth. I don't sugarcoat it, but, you know, I try to present it in a way where anybody can receive it and, and make and make use of it. So I don't, I may not necessarily have a political stance. Like some of the things I may do, this person may consider revolutionary. Like I may tell the black people in our community, hey, let's open up our own grocery store. Let's have a black owned grocery store. To some people, that's very revolutionary. You know what I'm saying? So I 2016, I co-founded a food co-op. I organized with people in my community. You know, we got people to donate money and purchase memberships. And it's cooperative economics. So that's something that Garvey talked about, you know, that I'm trying to continue on to do. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, I read about that. Uh, um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that, about that co-op that you um, found. Is it still ongoing and how did it operate and where was it based, etc.? Yeah, yeah, it's still ongoing. We don't have a building yet, but we have different events. Like I was the president for the first three years. Um, I was the head of health and wellness. So we would put on different classes like about lupus, about uh, diet, about diabetes, about mental health about meditation and deep breathing and yoga and these things that our community need, you know what I'm saying? But it's not my own original idea. It's something that my uncle and them was doing, you know, in the seventies, they had a health clinic, they had a drug abuse clinic, you know, and they would teach these type of classes and Garvey was doing it a hundred years ago. So, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, make a modern version of that, you know, like I say, the healthy community to empower the people, you know, because I can have my own private business, you know, like you say, with Mabo Nang, you see them, they building new buildings, they building restaurants and, you know, the people that was there in the beginning, they can't afford it or they may not be able to live over there anymore. So, you know, they don't really have control of that area. You know what I'm saying? Even though they producing the artwork and they're making it lively and they circulating the money, you know what I'm saying? The rent may be too high for them. So with cooperative economics, if if we have a community and everybody put their money together, even though we may not have a lot of money, if we put it together, then we could buy properties, we could buy businesses, we can buy grocery stores, we can buy land, we can do a farmer's cooperative, we could do a land cooperative, we could do a food co-op, we could do a financial co-op, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, in South Africa, the um, the politics around land and food and privatization of land um, is a big deal. Um, it's a big part of our social political discourse. Uh, huge, actually. Um, and to be honest with you, it's a uh, topic that has not been resolved. In fact, if you ask me, I think it's just getting worse and more complicated as the years go by. Um, staying here, um, could you say you've been here a bunch of times? Um, and I'm sure you have an opinion like with traveling throughout the other continent. What's your take on, um, do you have an opinion on um, uh, on the... Yeah, on land in Africa, man. Uh, 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 if I should ask you, uh, let me make it more site specific. Let me not be general. Let me ask about specifically about South Africa. If you had a chunk of, so I should give you land. Ach, it doesn't really matter. Let's say in the free states, I mean, ach, it doesn't matter. Just where there's, where there's land. What? Uh, how would you utilize it? You know, how would you? Um, how would you work with it? Man, I think it's. I think that South Africans and Black people in America, they have a lot in common. You know what I'm saying? I've been looking at farms and looking at land in different states. There's a lot of discrimination and the opportunities are not equal. So it's a little bit harder for us to gain access to things like that. So that's why I was kind of talking about farming cooperatives and um, land cooperatives. We can get a group of people to put our little bit of money together and we can buy a bigger portion of land for the purposes of, okay, we'll grow our own food and then we could grow it organically. We don't have to put chemicals on it. And we can have our own livestock. We can have small animals. You know, we got to start small. We can have maybe ducks or chickens or lamb or goats. You know what I'm saying? We just building up something, you know, a foundation for the next generation. And then they can carry it on and build wealth. And then maybe 50 years, 100 years from now, that little piece of land, it may grow to a bigger piece of land. It may, you know, accumulate wealth. It may structure a community that's self-sufficient. You know what I'm saying? So if it is a pandemic, or if it is that the economy falls or we get a new president or a new government or whatever, we can still support ourselves and take care of each other and feed each other, you know. Yeah, um, a lot of my listeners um, are pretty in tune with that. Um, you know, uh, a lot of them follow. I know I certainly do. And my personal network is also is also really in tune with that. So um, my family actually owns a bit of land in the Eastern Cape. Um, and we, yeah, we're trying to, um, we're trying to, yeah, to reimagine and open up that space again because it's sort of been neglected through years and years of this and that and that. So um, a lot of people in this platform you're talking to now is very, is very much in tune with that, which is why I'm asking. Um, and also to um, to make land work for not just for working class people, but for artists. Um, I think artists has really been excluded out of fuck everything artists and the and and um and the youth to to be very specific um so yeah man that's actually quite a that's actually quite a uh you know we can actually have a, a series of episodes just on um just on that topic um you mentioned um you mentioned earlier on like you just released a book recently uh tell us a little bit about that um what's it about and when was it and all of that okay yeah the book i had mentioned earlier it's about the Afro set. So that's a group that my uncle, you know, co-founded my uncle. He was the minister of information of the Afro set. So he was responsible for um, editing the newspaper. He was the photographer. He was the spokesperson for the group. You know, if the media had questions or if they needed somebody to speak on behalf of the organization, he would play roles like that. You know what I'm saying? So they had a lot of social programs. I don't know if I mentioned them earlier, but they would have free breakfast programs. They would have free lunch. Program. Yeah, kind of like the Black Panthers. Yeah, yeah, similar. Yeah. But the difference, the Afro set was more African-centered than the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers was more like socialism and communism. And like, say, for example, you had Fred Hampton, Bobby Seale, Huey Newton, Eldridge Cleaver. A lot of the Black Panthers, they kept their names, you know what I'm saying? But with my uncle's organization, they took on more African names and they taught they taught Swahili and they taught African drumming and different things like that. So they kind of, which, you know, they built a theater like you was talking about the artists. They made a creative space for that. So they, they built the theater and they would do fashion shows. So they would design garments and dashikis and African dresses and different things like that. And they would model these things. They would have musical performances with the Congo drums. Um, they would have poetry readings. They would have plays. 
you know, different things like that. They had a nursery. Um, they did a lot of community policing. So when people came into the community, if they were selling drugs or if they were pimping women or they were purse snatching or, you know, just doing different things, they would confront them. You know what I'm saying? Also, the police. When white police came into the community, if they were attacking people, they would confront them. So it's a very exciting book. It's a lot of shootouts, riots, rebellions, you know, uprisings and a lot of things. They practiced self-defense. So they went to the farms. They were attempting to buy a farm, but they, they didn't get a farm. They went to, to farms and they would do target practice. They would um, train with the rifles. They would train with machetes. They trained with sticks. Um, they did military drills and different things like that, you know. Uh, where was this? Where in the States was this based? Uh, this was in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, during what uh, what period of the 70s, 80s, uh, 90s? This was during the 1960s. And, um, and it was the, the civil rights movement was kind of dying down and the black power movement was kind of rising up. It was during that period, so like mid-1960s. Wow, interesting, man. So how long did this last for? 10, 20 years, 15 years, 5 years? No, no, no. They didn't last that long. They lasted from... Because it's a backstory to it, but the actual inception of the Afro set was in 1967. And then they actually shut down in like 1972. So it was about 5 years. They lasted about a full 5 years. So they, they went to different states. They went to different cities and they opened up shops. And like I say, they would they would create their own African artwork. So they would do pottery, they would do paintings, they would make dashikis and dresses and earrings and necklaces, and they would sell these things to generate income for themselves so they could be self-sufficient. Interesting. Uh just last question on it. Uh is it self-published and how can my listeners get hold of the book? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely self-published. I'm doing it independently. Um, the book is available. You can go to my website, campcleveland.org, camp, C-A-M-P, cleveland.org. And this information there about the book, about the tours to Africa, um, about my music, you know, and anything else that I do. Yeah, yeah. I actually checked it out um, um, as well. And uh, you haven't got a range in skincare. Uh yeah, that's that's quite that's quite interesting. So I would just actually check it out. I actually, didn't check it out uh, or go through it. Uh, these all look like organic uh, products. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. I try to bring back authentic and organic products from different countries that I go to. Yeah, Ethiopia, Ghana. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see. Uh, wow, that's. Um, is there a market? Is there a big market for that type of thing? Um, you know, I do, 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 do. Um, or rather, or rather, let me be more specific because that's sort of a broad question. Um, for example, let me make it really personalize it. So, yeah, say you um in Mabaneng and you pick up a product. For, for example, there's a friend of mine um, that used to make shoes, uh, but he's a designer, you know, he's a real hardcore hustler. So, um, you know, if you go there, for example, with that pair of shoes and it's all, you know, tailor-made, etc. So there's all these nuances which makes Africa, Africa, and you take it back there to, uh, you know, is the market really ripe? Uh, open for these type of products from the continent? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's it's a definitely a demand for it, but the, the problem that kind of comes in is the shipping. It gets kind of expensive to ship, so you got to kind of try to figure out a way. Yeah, that is that is actually a problem. Um, that's actually quite a good point. Um, now, during uh, with the duration of lockdown, because I've been covering this on the podcast quite a bit, uh, because like our industry has just been paralyzed with all of this uh, politics of movement which is it's just and yeah to send artwork and because you know i'm a visual artist like it's a problem uh you can't just do i mean like i know um, pre-pandemic it was already a problem but now i think it's gonna get worse and uh, but to be honest with you i see this opportunity in that um so i enjoy i um i like what you're saying but there's a really opportunity in that because the guy i'm talking about with the shoes he actually um, um, um well he's a buddy of mine um and he actually sold uh, a few of his products to, to the guys in the States. And as you say, you are correct. There was always a problem with shipping and shit gets here too late and da, 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 da. There was always a problem with that. So, yeah, man, if any of my listeners listening or tuning in, yeah, man, that's definitely a thing that I would love to collaborate with because that's the thing that proud artists have. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, 
anyway, it's just a nightmare. Um, yeah, man. Sort of like in uh, in in in, uh, in in closing, my brother, like your music, man. Um, yeah, like tell me about any future uh, products. Are you working on a full album? Uh, are you produce uh, or rather, um, um, I would assume, given that you self-publish your book, that all your production and all that stuff is in-house. Am I correct? Well, no, nah, not really. I'm, I'm, I'm open. You know, if it's any artist that's out there listening, if you make beats, if you're a rapper, a singer, I, I'm open. I definitely love to collaborate with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you know that that's not an issue or nothing like that. Yeah, well, this is this is definitely the platform to uh, to talk about that. So, yeah, I mean, any future music products, uh, <laughs> music products, and like any of uh, the music uh, was any of your stuff, uh, any of the music videos shot in South Africa. But like, is there any music that is specifically uh, South African? You know, something that you learned, like you know, from here that you didn't learn in any other country that you've been to. Um. Yeah, I definitely. I'm continuously writing and recording, so I should have some music coming up. I'm thinking maybe by the end of this year or even maybe by the end of the summer, I may release a project, but it's not finalized or nothing like that. Because I've kind of been focusing on uh, promoting my book and trying to get people you know, to tap into that. But I just recorded a song uh, with one of my brothers from South Africa. I don't know if you're familiar. It's on Audio Mac, uh, CB, No Ghosts. And the title of the song is called The Sun. It's a, it's a real nice track. I think you'll like it a lot. Yeah, man. Send it to me. I'll definitely have a look, man. Uh, we could even add it to the... Uh, we can add a few links on your episodes uh, page when we are done. Um, my brother, like, sort of in closing, man. Um, and, like, I feel... Um, so, yeah, since you've got such a close connection with South African Mabuneng, uh, which is my backyard... <laughs> um, there's a question that I've been asking all my guests, um, and it's based around the COVID vaccine, uh, the politics around the COVID vaccine. So there's a project, a long-term project I'm working on. Uh, I'm looking to complete or start with it towards the end of the year. I'm, I'm looking more on October, um, November side. Because uh, I'm asking everybody about what's your opinion. Are you going to get vaccinated? Yes or no? And if no, you know, and if yes, why? You know, if you can explain that to me. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I only can speak for myself. The answer is no. I'm not going to take no vaccine. The number one reason is just because of the historical, you know, things that have been done as far as, you know, medical experimentation on black people and African people. And it's a fairly, it's a fairly new vaccine. So I'm not saying that you should never, ever take any type of vaccine, but you should do your research. And by being something new, we don't know the long-term effects the short-term effects, and we got to be honest, you know, with the things that they have given us that have been bad for us. So, no, I will not be taking the vaccine. Uh, secondly, I, I've had COVID already, you know, so I wouldn't take it, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, you have to make your you have to make your own determination. You know, I'm not telling you what to do, but I wouldn't do it just based off the history. And I'm, not just, I'm talking about the history in South Africa, the history in Namibia, the history in America, the history in all around the world. You have hundreds of examples of black people being used as, you know, guinea pigs for drugs and different things like that. Yeah. 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 No, interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's I can tell you because I'm asking absolutely everybody that I'm coming in, in contact with and the opinions vary. Um, and some of them are quite passionate. Um, and um, it's, it's interesting. Um, I know from because of what I do, uh, well, you know, you, you in the creative field as well, like we travel and um yeah, man, like, um, with this thing, I already had a show in Eswatini a few weeks ago, and I couldn't go because, like, because of all of this, uh, the, yeah, I needed this and that. And, like, right now, the vaccine is not available, at least not here where we are now. But the, the, the opinions are quite, are quite paralyzed, <laughs> paralyzed, <laughs> are quite polarized. <laughs> yeah, it's late at night, yeah. Um, and yeah, man, it's, yeah, as I said, it's just a, it's just a project. I'm still gathering data for it and something I'm doing that I'll be picking up, um, towards another year. Uh, Taye Uhuru, thanks for coming through my brother. Um, thanks for sharing us part of your story with you, your experiences in Mabuneng. Uh, 
um and um yeah you actually the first <laughs> it's um it's um it's it's it's, it's funny how you say like during the hard lockdown when nobody was there because all my soldiers and comrades and everybody would um, operate out of the, all of there just like left and when they came back it was just this yeah it's quite a there's quite a lot of energy and kind of and it's quite an interesting space that so it was interesting to seeing how you experience it um you know being an american that was really cool um all the best for your book um just in closing like um just uh if my listeners want to get hold of any of your uh, you know if they want to download any of your music uh if they want to get hold of your book you already said it's available on your website but um for everything else is that is your website the um sort of the landing page for all of your products yeah or is there you know amazon you know soundcloud and places like that uh you can check me out on the website also you know i'm on instagram i'm on facebook youtube tiktok and i'm camp cleveland c-a-m-p cleveland c-l-e-v-e-l-a-n-d Yeah, for sure, Clem Cleveland. Thanks a lot for coming through, my brother. Have an awesome rest of your day, and I'll be in touch with you with regards to when the episode will go live, which should be in approximately three weeks. Um, but I'll let you know via Facebook. Um, and yeah, man, thanks for coming through, bro, my brother. All right, peace, King. All right, man. Sure, I'm out. Thank you for listening to this podcast. A podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Hey everybody, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, speak, my interview with Taye Uhuru. Quite an interesting brother. Yeah, I mean, all the information um, on his products will be available on his website. So you can have a look at that. Um, yeah, I mean, just to remind everybody that we are brought to you by Spotcaster and Biobulb that the uh, art giveaway is still ongoing. So give me a shout out to like, subscribe and comment to uh, the Spotcaster channel. Um, and give me a shout out on one of my uh, social media pages and you will own an original artwork. Yeah, man, thanks for thanks everybody. Remember, you can catch me on all the streaming platforms. Um, that is iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podcaster, oh, everybody, just Google Wesley Peppers, Art Lexia, we are everywhere. And remember, um, I'll be doing a few new features because um, I'll be doing a little video, a promo video every week um, on the day that we publish, on a Friday, the day that we publish the episode. I'll be doing a video like that and I guess through, I'll be adding a little bit extra features into the video as we go on, it's like more mentions, etc, etc. So yeah, so you'll get to see the face with the voice or yeah there's a the voice with the face type of thing is so yeah there's also that to look forward to uh, remember to get hold of me on all my social media platforms that's Wesley Pepper on Facebook that's at Wesley Pepper on Twitter as uh, Wesley underscore Pepper underscore on Instagram and I, I always forget but I'm on LinkedIn too and I do a lot of stuff I have a lot of fun on LinkedIn so you can get all of me there too so yeah man I hope you guys uh, enjoyed today's episode uh, look forward to more cutting edge art space uh, episodes and I shall catch you next week <laughs>